1: Well, welcome back as we head into our two. I am Seth Leapson. It's a delight to have in studio a friend and partner, Steve Moak Jr. He, among other things, has given us a little competition here. He started his own Podcast, the unlicensed counselor. You can get it on Apple Podcasts or really any any podcasting platform. The unlicensed counselor, Steve, it says, takes his twenty years of insider knowledge from counseling graduate school, working in high end treatment centers, starting multiple businesses in behavioral health, and launching one of the most prominent nonprofits in Arizona. He and I are working on having uh, with a great team of others, a fantastic team, launching another nonprofit here. Uh, We'll tell you more about that in a little bit if you want. But Steve Moak, Jr., welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the studios. It's
2: good to be here. I kind of, on the Unlicensed Counselor podcast, I kind of think of it as like a behavioral health contrarian, Mm -hmm. you know, not the most popular opinions. I'm kind of going against the grain a little bit with some of the stuff I'm talking about. I think it needs it. I totally agree. And I'm just, I got to a frustration point where it's like, okay, somebody's got to tell the other side this is just getting out of hand. Yeah, yeah, what what do you think? Um, what do you think is
1: are some of the greatest uh, the greatest problems in it in its getting out of hand? First of all, the profit motive for sure. First of all, the rel- uh, go, uh, no, you, you talk. <laughs> I talk. I mean, you,
2: no, you you're you're spot on there. Profit is always behind a lot of this, especially when it comes to the payers. I have significant concerns about the manipulation of language, specifically with how clinicians talk about topics and the softening of the language. And it's gotten to a point where, you know, I'm just so frustrated with it. And then I also have some concerns about the counselors themselves. I mean, it tends to be a little bit more on the woke side of things. And I'm just afraid that what is supposed to be a safe room that you kind of check your political beliefs at the door and and focus on helping that individual. And that's just not the case. And, again, I went to graduate school with these folks. and, And I'm very aware of what's being taught and how that's being carried into the room. And I think that's part of the problem now.
1: And you're also very honest about your own situation and your own story and your own journey throughout recovery. You posted something on Facebook about a relapse you you had a while ago. And uh, you, you, the, the response was tremendous. Uh, Six-figure response.
2: Right? Blew, blew me away. It was at 120-some thousand views after a couple days. It, you know, it, as part of my journey into long-term recovery, I always kind of make the joke of, hey, I've only had one relapse. It just lasted a decade, yeah. right? And I had a clip that I just posted on to Facebook kind of promoting the podcast and things, and it went kind of like wildfire. And I'm just like, holy cow. It, it echoes the importance of social media, yeah. by the way. But, you know, it's – I don't know. I'm just shocked sometimes when these things go. I called you this morning and said,
1: well, it's 4.20. And you said, oh, I got to do my podcast today and I'm going to do it on X. But now I think I better change it and do it on 4.20 – What'd you say on your podcast about four uh, twenty? <laughs> so I haven't chance. I listened to it. I just haven't. No,
2: no, no, no. It's quite As all right. I say, You're we're a little competition here. Uh, I had my own show to prepare for. Let's not part. go crazy. <laughs> I was listening to Prager and you. You guys are on the same station. That's not really competition for <laughs> for what I'm doing. You know, I was talking to parents about marijuana, right? Like, you know, I am of the belief that I really want to focus on teens, youth, and prevention. And I am just not for kids experimenting with marijuana. It has long-term impacts. It is not harmless. It has significant development impacts. And I really, really want to start talking more directly to parents about what's going on, what are signs that they may be seeing when their kids you know, potentially are starting to use drugs, and then what they can do to impact that. And I think drug testing, that's a big part of what I talked about today in drug testing. And using that as a tool, That's the one very quantifiable tool that can tell you what's going on in your kid's life, amongst other benefits yeah. of having a drug test on the counter can do. Yeah, no, I've always
1: believed in that. I've always thought it was a good thing. It's a great way for a child to have a uh, – or a youth or a teen to have at a party an out, an ability to turn down the offer, uh, to turn down the peer pressure. Of uh, initiating use or or continuing use if they have been um, if they have been sober, they can simply say, "Well, you know i can 't because i 'll be tested, and if I get tested positive i 'll be grounded or i 'll be thrown off the team, or i won 't be allowed this, that, or the other
2: right? I, I talk to so many parents and they see the signs, but they don 't do anything yeah. so it 's very frustrating i 'm like, okay, your kid 's peer group changes." Your grades are starting to go down. Things that they were interested in before, they seem less interested in. Their appetite, their mood, they're coming home late from curfew. Like, things start to change. So think about it. You know, if I had a mole on my skin or something and it was changing and, you know, something was kind of giving, you know, and I noticed it, what i Would I do nothing or would I take some action? Yet we have our kids, our pride and joy, our loved ones, and we see these behavior pattern changes and it's like we do nothing? That's a great
1: point. You know, I keep saying we seem to be a society that takes our lungs more seriously than our brains. We take our skin more seriously than our brains.
2: It's a great point why why did we get like this right. so it's like okay all these signs are presenting maybe maybe you don't want to know you want to look the other way maybe you feel guilty because a many parents continue to smoke right now which I am of the belief that okay that's all right let's not make me advertise it but you're allowed to say as a parent in our home this is the rule. Right? You are not allowed to smoke, use drugs, come home drunk, or anything like that. And if they start the, well, you did this, that, nope, until you're 18 out of the house or paying your own bills, this is the rule, and that's a boundary in our house. And, and why we can't do that, but I do think there's some of that guilt or shame maybe the parents might be using. Yeah. Yeah, I also worry, too, about parents not being parents but trying to
1: be their children's friends. I've seen that grow in a, in our communities, in every community, uh, like
2: wildfire. And it's not – children need parents. I, I get it. You have to set boundaries, have rules. You have to be the parent in the home. And, and I get it. That's tough. I'm a, I'm a dad. I understand that more now than ever. But we're talking about the long term benefit of your kids here and and into having and staying firm with those things, I think is super important. And look, marijuana is not innocuous. And and I even said this morning on my podcast, it's insidious because it seems benign in a lot of ways, but it's really not. You can be addicted to marijuana physically, emotionally, spiritually. I I mean, every single way you take marijuana away from somebody, and tell me what that person is going to be like irritable. It's going to impact their sleep, their eating. It impacts every area of your life, just like cocaine or many of these other drugs as well. So don't fool yourself that your kid can't be addicted to marijuana.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Well said. We had a caller on that, uh, and um, anyone is welcome to call in on, on this uh, or anything they want to talk to Steve and me about. 602 two five zero eight zero I'm really just simply amazed, uh, really gobsmacked, if you will at the way we talk about public health in this country and the things we seem to take seriously about it, whether it's our diet, uh, whether it's uh, what we talked about with regard to COVID and the protection of society from a disease that would affect their lungs. And then we come around on a day like today, 420, which is uh, known as the marijuana holiday, and we have... Newspapers giving out puff, uh, writing up puff pieces on it, <coughs> celebrating it, cheering it on, talking about the positive aspects of what these dispensary owners are raking in and yielding, and how they're fighting against inequities in the dispensary in the dispensary community in ways that <laughs> in ways, <coughs> Steve, that they wouldn't they wouldn't talk about. Some of the some of the actually innocuous uh, responses to uh, or alternatives to uh, COVID mitigation. It, it's really quite incredible uh, what this society takes seriously, what it doesn't, what it celebrates, and what it doesn't.
2: Th- these dispensaries and big weed or whatever you want to call it. Th- this may be the greatest rebranding or marketing campaign that's ever been done. To yeah. go from weed to now it's exclusively called cannabis and how they've made it into this drug that it is definitely not is is just it, – honestly, it's genius on their part and how they've kind of co-opted this and made it into this innocuous little thing. I, I'm still blown away. Let me get back to one nugget just on the parents thing, Seth, while well, I just have it on the top of my head. Think about this fact. So right now, if your kid gets high today, right, 420, um, the average age that you're – or the, the average duration that that parent is going to take to find out that their kids have been using drugs – 12 to 18 months so about christmas time 2024 you're going to find out that your kid got high today tell me that how many things can go wrong between now and then let alone addiction unwanted pregnancy involvement in crime i I mean there is a million things that in an 18 month period somebody can be doing it could really land them in a lot of trouble from what could start today Important point and well put. Yeah, thank you for that, Steve. Steve Moak Jr. is
1: our guest. He is the host of the Unlicensed Counselor podcast. And um, if cool, I'd like to when we come back talk to you about some of the other topics you've done on um, on your podcast. Ten life choices you will regret in ten years. That sounds interesting. Let's explore that. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our number. Steve and I will be. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. I'm delighted to have in studio with me Steve Moak, Jr. He is the host of the Unlicensed Counselor Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts or any podcasting platform you want to use. Uh, We brought him in on the occasion of uh, this being 420, uh, which is a, a big cheering and holiday event for marijuana use and marijuana users. And uh I just as I was going through my Twitter feed during the break, I um I don't I don't know if um if I could have done better in what I want people to see. But Steve, can you see this? Exactly three hours ago no, exactly yeah, exactly three hours ago, John Fetterman John Fetterman, Senator from Pennsylvania, who of course has all his faculties intact <laughs> Is holding up a big how that's what a flag sized I don't know how big, big it is. It's a big big flag banner, celebrating four twenty with the sign that says it's four twenty somewhere there. There's your there's your there's your Tribune to what marijuana can do for you. <laughs> anyway, you don't have to come.
2: <laughs>
1: just see how well those faculties work, uh, Steve. One of the things you did on your podcast uh, a couple weeks ago that I thought the audience might enjoy hearing you on. 10 life choices you will regret in 10 years. What are some of those life choices? Because, I mean, I think uh, I think children are raised in a confusing time. This this 420 thing is a confusing thing for children and parents. Um, but there's a lot of things we confuse our children with. We catastrophize our children with. Um, we use them for political games of adults, gamesmanship of adults. I would love to hear 10 life choices you will regret in 10 years, or at least some of them, yeah. greatest
2: hits. So, so one of the things I wanted the podcast has to do was not just be addiction focused right. there's so much recovery addiction talk which is good and beneficial and needed and everybody's got a different way they like to listen think and hear about it so i didn't want to just stay on that topic although it is near and dear to my heart but you know as, as i've done a lot of reflecting over my life because i kind of feel like i wasted mm, a, at least 10-15 years and while in active addiction it's like okay I want to be much more intentional about where I'm going for the next decade, two decades, three decades. So I came across this article when I was prepping for the podcast one week, and I just thought, wow, okay, this is something that I'd like to be able to share with the audience a little bit more. And I can run through just you know kind of the highlights and feel yeah, free to on run, run the headlines on, on, and, we'll di- and we'll plumb them a little let's bit. Let's do it to it. So number one was kind of wearing a mask to impress others. Look. As somebody in long-term recovery and in active addiction, I always felt like I could put a mask on and never really necessarily show who my authentic self was. So that was something that really stuck out to me. Be authentic. Number two, letting someone else create your dreams for you. You know, in my podcast, I talked a little bit about, you know, I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. But in my family, you know, we were very structured and business-like. And it was like, you need to go to school. You need to do this. And not that they were wrong, but I never felt like I really got to kind of carve my own path and so that's something that really stood out to me is letting someone else create your own dreams for you and i'm not blaming here there's you know there's no victim here i made all my own decisions but it was just something that stood out to me number three would be keeping negative company i mean you are who you surround yourself with right and i think that one's pretty self-explanatory but a lot of people i don't know if that really kind of resonates with them or not Number four, being selfish and egotistical. Okay, I know this doesn't make for good radio, but I'm raising my hand right here because I have just been that person for far too long. And really kind of being able to check myself as I continue to look inward and not have to be the center of everything has been a real learning point for me. Number five, avoiding change and growth. This one I'm actually kind of good at, right? And I thought it was interesting because I like to... I don't want to be who I was yesterday. I want to keep learning something new, and I like to attack new things. You know, you hear that tilting at windmills. I like to run at things, and I like to run at things hard, and that's just kind of who I am. And it ties into number six as well, too, which is giving up when the going gets tough. I'm actually the exact opposite. I want the hardest challenge that there is, whether it's from a marathon I sign up to or starting your own business or raising capital or whatever it is, I like to run at it. But I'm wired that way, and I don't think a lot of people are. So this article really brought to mind for me, and I wanted to share it with others. that hey tell you how true that is. I, I wake up really early, and sometimes you call me and wake me
1: up. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can attest to this, yes. I like
2: to get after it. Uh, so, I know, but... <laughs> I know, I know.
1: I thought 530 was early. I was wrong when, <laughs> when I met you. I learned 5.30 isn't early enough. Okay.
2: A uh, few more, and then I'll I'll let you take it over. That's Number right. seven, trying to micromanage every little thing. You know, that's kind of being the control freak kind of thing, and I definitely had that going, especially in active. De- I'd have my kind of – I'm here kind of strangling and uh, jaw clenched and just wanting to kind of – I want it my way or I know I can do it better, and having to let go of some of that has been interesting. And I will – As I always joke around my podcast, yoga has actually helped me a lot with that, and it's just a personal thing that I like to share with folks. Number eight, settling for less than you deserve, whether it's dating, your job, your emotional, mental kind of status, making sure that you're really not just settling. And again, that goes back to being intentional with your life as well too. Uh, Number nine, endlessly waiting until tomorrow. Folks, the the world's not going to give you anything. It doesn't owe you anything. We have less time than we think, not to be kind of a downer or anything, but go get it and go get it now. And number 10, being lazy and wishy-washy. It's pretty self-explanatory. Again, the world's not going to hand you anything. You're not going to win the lottery. It's time to get up and seize the day. You know, I'm a big fan of that movie, Dead Poets Society and the Carpe Diem and just that whole mentality. And I think that article, and I went into a little more detail on those in my podcast, but it was like... Okay, I should be thinking about these things a little more regularly than just you know every so often when an article floats across my desk. But curious to hear your thoughts on it.
1: No, I, I I think that's a good list. It it may not belong on that list, but it's it's certainly part of who you are too, and part of your health. That as I've known you over the years, and more and more lately, is um, athletic activity. Um, it wouldn't be on that list because it's it's. It's just it just wouldn't naturally be, but that's an important part of you, isn't it?
2: As well, I think it's the most. It's on par with everything else. It sets my mood. It's physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually. All of those things, if I'm not getting my workouts in, again, not to beat on the yoga thing, but I've recently gotten into it over the last few months. It has been life-changing for me. I went in for stretching and flexibility and came out with a new mindset, yeah. right, of just to kind of the peace, the focus on the breathing. Hey whether you're in recovery or not I just think an active lifestyle is going to benefit you in other ways that you just don't even know until you get out there and start doing it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you too. That some people get uh if they run, some people will talk about a runner's high. There are healthier life choices than doing the easy thing or the soft thing. And the easy and soft thing never
2: gets you to a great no, thing. No, and start walking, yeah. folks. I mean, start I like start. I I don't want Yeah, exactly. I don't want to tell everybody to go out and sign up for a 10k like no. go for a walk, take the dog out, do whatever it is that you have to do, but take action. When are you Just, gonna
1: join me for our next ten K?
2: I ran I ran six this morning. Did eight, you really eight thirty four oh, pace. We have
1: to t- oh. Yeah. You like oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> six or six point two? I did six. All right. All right. All right. I'm in a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jab you a little bit during okay. the break. Steve Moog, Jr. is my guest. He is the host of the Unlicensed Counselor podcast. It's a great, great show you want to check out. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, drugs and youth. Project You and I are starting Let's with do a bunch of great other people as well. 602 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Steve Moak, Jr. is my in-studio guest. He had mentioned Dennis Prager earlier. You're a fan of Dennis's. uh week from tonight, we'll be doing a great event with uh, Dennis Prager, 960thepatriot.com, where you can get your... Ticket cigar night with Dennis Prager. Uh, I'll be there, and a few of our local guests will be there as well. That you know, uh, we're keeping it deliberately intimate. The VIP part is sold out, but uh, no worries. The general admission, as I say, it's a small. We're going to keep it uh, d- uh, intentionally small, so everyone will have uh, face time and talk time with Dennis as much as you want beautiful outdoor backyard in uh at the at the foot of uh, camelback mountain it's going to be a great event and you'll talk to dennis and then uh, i'll do um uh at the main event uh after uh after cocktail hour we will um we will do a uh an interview a long interview with dennis on all the important issues if you have questions you want me to ask dennis feel free to call or email me some of them and we'll consider that uh, Steve Moak Jr. is our guest. As I mentioned, he is the host of the podcast, The Unlicensed Counselor. Uh, it's uh, it's a weekly podcast. It's a little bit different than um, than 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 most podcasts. It's a little bit different and against the grain of what you get in the world of counseling, really, in the world of uh, rehab counseling, addiction Correct. counseling, mental health counseling. Um, because he's trying to cut through a lot of the fog and a lot of I think you said the word wokeness or political correctness that seems to come in it into to, into too much counseling. A lot of the change of language is something that you and I have both been bothered by over the years. So frustrating. Right. We I what what was the phrase we saw out of a story in San Francisco earlier in the week, Steve? Uh the drug drug dealers are now drug workers. Is oh, that what we saw? Yeah, 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 yeah you drug sent me workers. that. But drug users aren't drug users anymore. It's just substance use. It's not even substance abuse anymore. It's just substance use. We just say, and yeah, it's just part of routine life. You're you're a substance user. You're not a substance.
2: It's user. alcohol use right. disorder, opioid use disorder, right. substance use disorder. Get like, rid of the disorder part. By let's the way, start right? calling it like it is. You are an alcoholic. You are a drug addict. These, you know. I even said in my pockets, it's like, look, a little bit of stigma and shame I'm okay with, right? So you know, we got rid of cigarettes and drunk driving, Well, by look, the way. I've been a little overweight in my life, and I remember somebody telling me, hey, you look a little fat. And I was like, oh, crap, okay, I need to take some action here, <laughs> right? Like, that motivated me to get going a little bit. And so the softening of the language has just been a real sticking point for me, and I'm just out there to start calling it a little bit more what it is. Good. I think we need it. Strong medicine. I think so. Yeah. Good right? for you. I'm glad you are. Yeah, I love Loved
1: what you did with the ten life choices you'll regret in ten years. Keeping negative company. I wrote down a couple. For some reason, I wrote that one down as well. Keeping negative company. I, uh, I, I tell people. I think you know. I'm a little bit older than you. I have, uh, so I'm hence a little slower than you. When mm, wiser. I'm a little slower on the runs by about thirty <laughs> seconds. I think. We'll a mile. see. Let's thirty get out seconds there. a mile. Thirty seconds a mile. I try. I try my best. Sometimes twenty seconds a mile. But. um I've learned more probably in the last five years than in the first 50 years of my life or the last 45 years of my life, Steve. And one of those, that one I that one was a big one. Keeping negative company, that's a great lesson. Say a little more about
2: that. I, I think so. I mean, look, I've have, I have lived an interesting life, right? Uh, you know, I'm in the process of writing a book and talking about it right now, and it's like a life that didn't have to be or, or shouldn't have been. But in the course of living that life, I've hung out with – Millionaire, billionaire type, and business people, brilliant financial minds, and I've hung out with drug dealers who were cooking crack on the stove, like, and I've been able to navigate between those, and I'm just going. Sometimes I remember distinctly a couple times looking around, just going, "Is this is this who I am? I mean, I grew up in you know, Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, and I'm down here off of Van Buren, and that guy's you know cooking rocks on the stove with a spoon, and I'm just going." is this who i am right and that's an extreme example
1: of it but even as but a- it's not it's not an extreme a lot of almost everyone who ends up in that world and stays there started in your world our mutual friend and also regular guest on this show jeff taylor that's his story he grew up with every advantage in life he was doing great at age 25 he had a car that's more expensive than most houses uh and he was living under a bush i
2: i, I don't know why other than that's just where this disease takes you, yeah. it's progressive. It keeps going and it gets worse before it gets better. And and look, you know, to answer your question, I, I just I needed to, as not only as I got sober but matured and have kids now, it's like, okay. I needed to take a real inventory of who's in my life and make sure that these are the people that I want to be around and that can continue to support me. And that did involve kind of ejecting some folks.
1: Aristotle says the best form of friendship is the person who makes you a better person. That's good. Good Lesson there. Ancient wisdom that we could all use a little bit more of today. Steve Moak Jr. is my guest. Short segment. We have a longer one coming up. If you have a call or a question or thought or comment, that's why we're here. 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Groupthink can prevent you from seeing the obvious. In 2008, Groupthink remained in denial when it was obvious that mortgage-backed securities filled with subprime loans were a house of cards. The Midas Gold Group has been telling people the obvious for years. A system of currency built on debt is not stable. Most importantly, they've said that the banking system is unstable and treasuries are not risk-free. Abandon the Groupthink of mainstream media and bankers and get a different perspective from the Midas Gold Group. Smart diversification involves having money outside of the banking system. Call the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold, gold which traditionally holds its value when economies fail. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or Berta yet, call them at 480-360-3000. That's 480 480- Three six zero three thousand. The Midas Gold Group. Gold, you can hold your vault of confidence. The only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already trust. It's a delight to have Steve Moak Jr. in studio with me. He is the host of the Unlicensed Counselor Podcast. It's upbeat. It's refreshing. It's positive where it needs to be. It's critical where it needs to be. And uh, you can get it at any podcast platform. Um, we do come... With not just uh, negatives about this, and that's one of the things I love about your approach, Steve, is is you're a you're you're a you're a go get 'em kind of guy. You're a thank God it's Friday, but thank kind of thank God it's Monday kind of guy. <laughs> one of the projects I was kind of teasing that we'd say something about it that brings with it good news or positive news or optimism about the drug problem we have in America. And it's a huge problem. It took the lives of about 107,000 Americans last year, and that's death. That's not talking about all the other problems that come with it, many of which I mentioned in my monologue. Death is, of course, the end of the road, but there's a lot that happens between being born and the end of the road if you uh, succumb or are initiated into the world of drug use and addiction. So uh, a few of us, uh, which uh, I'll mention their names a little later, but a few of us got together with an idea. Um, What the science has shown and this is the good news, is that if you can get a child to the age of 21 without initiating the use of these dangerous and illegal drugs, if you can get them to 21 without starting, the chances that they will ever start and thus become addicted or go into these vortexes are infinitesimally small. You can practically guarantee someone will not initiate drug use after the age of 21 if they didn't before because of the way the mind flowers and grows and wires itself growing up. And so we uh, we are putting together a nonprofit uh, that uh, is going to uh, try and get that message out and try and do some prevention messaging to our youth uh, where they live, which is on social media. It's kind of been astounding to me how lacking we have done as a society on prevention messaging. When we have taken it seriously in this field, it has worked. We know it has worked in every other field, whether it's from smoking to— uh, drunk driving to, for gosh sakes, forest fires. Prevention messaging works. By the way, if anyone wants to help us with this, you can send me an email. I'm happy to talk to you more about this project, and we'll have an official launch of it, of it and an official public launch of it, in a, maybe a couple months or, or maybe even less. But uh, Steve, say something about that, and uh, say something about getting your kid to 21 and kind of the importance of prevention messaging, which seems to really have been lacking so, over the last several years.
2: What if I told you there was a 100% solution or 100% way to prevent your child from ever having a a drug addiction issue? And that would be through prevention. Yeah, right? In in when this country, and I've heard you say this many times, gets behind something, especially on the prevention front, we're really good at it. Yep. And why this country has not done that or has gone away from it from drug prevention messaging There's a whole litany of reasons, but why I was so excited when you asked me to join, and let's be honest, this was your idea that you brought to the group. (laughs) It's a a great team. It's a great collaboration. That is very nice, but you were the one who birthed this idea, and I was so excited that I was invited to join this amazing team. We can keep building as many beds, outpatient programs, telehealth programs, drug treatment facilities. And we will just keep filling them up. That has proven itself time and time. There's more beds available than any time in the history of the world, and we're just filling them up. We've got to start earlier. We've got to be strong with and clear with our messaging, and it's got to start younger than you think. It's got to be at least seventh grade. And so what we're going to be doing is taking a drug prevention clear message to middle and high schoolers and to the youth and really being very vocal about what that looks like and how we can prevent drug use. And it's going
1: to be dramatic and we're not going to pull punches because we're up against something dramatic here. We're up against major cities that now have ad campaigns. They call them public health campaigns, another Orwellian distortion of our language, another turn speak and double talk that Orwell could have written for us if... um, if he were alive today rewriting 1984 you have major cities with these drug campaigns or their 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 version of prevention they call this a prevention campaign where they tell you if you are going to use start small do it with friends And uh, it's an incredible, an incredible surrender to me. It's an incredible encouragement. It's the opposite of prevention. You took,
2: you beat my word. It's the opposite of prevention. It's an endorsement, right? It is an endorsement. I understand where they're going, but that doesn't mean we have to get behind it. I'm sorry, we need to get sooner our message out sooner. We are going to be raw. We are going to be edgy, and we are going to be in your face with messaging directed at you know youth specifically around drug prevention. People uh, have seen
1: if they haven't traveled to San Francisco recently, if they watch some television stations or some documentaries here and there, they can see what the streets of San Francisco now look like. Uh, This audience knows uh, our mutual friend and colleague on this project, Jeff Taylor, one of our colleagues on this project, uh, and they know of his great work with the Salvation Army. Uh, Let me just highlight something that that is jaw-dropping. When you see those scenes in San Francisco, you can see that scene. By the way, on Ninth Avenue in Jefferson Zone. here, no no city is immune to it. It's just taken over San Francisco uh, in a way that, uh, if we don't stop it here, well, it will increase and exacerbate. But when you see those scenes in San Francisco, you would you would if you listen to the the, the public health authorities there, or if you you know think maybe in your greatest wishes, well. There aren't enough beds for them all. Do you know what? What Jeff tells you from the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army has vacant beds, with those drug addicts sleeping in front of the Salvation Army because they would prefer to do that than go in and get soup and soap and sober. It's an incredible thing what this drug, what these drugs can do to you. They have beds available, the people don't want them because the drugs have robbed them of their senses
2: and their brains. This is preventable. Mm-hmm. This is preventable, and I am so excited to start sharing that more vocally. I mean, I want this organization to be the singular voice of drug prevention for the entire country.
1: We're committed to making it so. We're committed to making it
2: so. We'll come back uh, on the other side of this break
1: with some final words from Steve Moak, Jr. He's the host of The Unlicensed Counselor. You can get it at Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform you do get your podcast from. It's once a week. What is it, about 30 minutes or so? About 30 minutes. 30 minutes of smart, common sense with a lot of fun. People can hear your voice and how fun you are. And uh, more than anything, and most importantly, truth. Steve uh, takes the uh, dictum, Be Not Afraid, very seriously. I'm Seth Leaps, and he's Steve. We'll be right back. With all the... uh, with all the things we talk about, this is this is something that I think is probably the most important. And it's the most important because we can actually do something about it. And Steve Moak Jr. has spent uh, much of his adult life trying to do something about it. want to thank him for being my in-studio guest. One of the things he's doing is hosting the podcast, The Unlicensed Counselor. You can get it on any podcasting platform. He and I and a group of... Really, other great folks, really great folks are putting together a nonprofit. If you want more information on that before we um, have a public and official liftoff in about a month and a half, two months, uh, you can email me. But, Steve, uh, take the last couple of minutes
2: and say anything you like. Sure. It's 4.55. Do you know where your kid's at? Right? four twenty, four twenty, which is about 30 minutes ago, has just happened they coming home with Taco Bell, hungry Munchies. I mean, no, I, I'm kind of making a joke about it, but in reality, these are other signs, right? You know, if I if I can just impart one thing, you know, April 21st should be the National Drug Testing Day, right? Like, go ahead if you do let's one make thing, that a project. I, I, let's I think make that it, part of our project. let's do it, and and I and I believe it, and it's not a trying to I got you or caught you type of thing. It's go to. the— Walgreens, CVS, write it. Wherever you go, right now, on your way home, buy one, set it on the counter. A drug test. A kit. drug test. Yep. You're going to have a conversation, and you may find something sooner instead of letting your son or daughter can continue down this path that can progressively get worse and can get worse much faster. So, look today is a big day. I know then it's like, well, shoot, I'm a parent. Now I'm going to have to do something. Well, yes, now you may have to engage a therapist, a counselor, and kind of assess where your child is really at. But trust me, it's better to be doing that now than to start looking at boarding schools and military schools and treatment centers and all those types of things, because you now have a son or daughter that has progressed into an actual addiction, right? So look, Take one thing, go buy a test, sit on the counter, see what happens tonight, start to have a conversation with your kid. There are
1: a few truths here, and one of them handed down through the ages is um, that it's easier to build strong children than fix broken adults. Well said. And that the responsibility of the adult is to be the adult, to let the child be the child and not confuse those two roles. And unfortunately, our children are put through a lot more than they ever have been. Uh, and not just in the drug world, but the drug world makes it a lot more dangerous. And for those that think it isn't or think they're immune, listen to the stories we tell on this show. There is no community, there is no zip code that is immune from this. The only immunity starts in the house and it emanates outward from there. Steve Moak Junior, the unlicensed counselor. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank I'm you. Seth 508 six zero two, five zero eight, zero nine six zero. Open lines. We'll be right back.